Hello, everybody. It's Bill. I'm back in the SitRep Podcast Studios up here in the frigid Tennessee. Jim, it was 50-something degrees. We haven't had this me- since, what, January last year? We had that one me- cold day. Down you're making me jealous. Yeah, you're making me jealous. <laughs> I remember waking up that one morning. Uh, I think it was in January where, you know, how we had that one day where it got really cold. And I woke up and I actually had turned the heat on in the house, down in the Keys. But, uh, yeah. So, joining me today is the man, the legend, Mr. Riskini Jim. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Well, yeah, we'll get yeah. to it. But... Well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, so, uh, we've got some stuff to talk about. This is the generic show because I really don't have a hot topic. Let's put it this way. The hot topic is currently evolving as we speak. Um, so, yeah. And so we're just going to kind of shoot from the hip today and uh, talk about things. You know, again, here's a way how historical wargaming is tricky is when real world scenarios are playing and do you even touch them with the 10 foot pole so we'll talk about that and much much more make sure i got my settings correct and three two one big duke six eagle thrust put on side war up make it loud and the romeo fox god shall we dance you are listening to the Citrep Podcast, your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush and let's hit it. Okay, so we're back. Um, as you can see, we have a reduced crew today, which is fine. Actually, um, I think the meat and taters of the, you know, group is right here. The other two are just flavoring. They're butter and sour cream and chives and all that crap. Um, we had some stuff to talk about. You know, we're, we're not going to u- follow our usual format today uh, because the man that you see below me in the screen uh, has put in a ton of work over the last several months to bring you a 50th anniversary content. Well, history has smacked us in the gobsmack. Uh, and so I saw Jim put it out on uh, the Facebook uh, about asking people's opinion on whether we should proceed with that information or not. You know, um, we'll let pe- people's opinions. I will give my opinion at some point, but um, Jim, why don't you give us some background of what's going on and how that's affecting programming? Um, yeah, so about the last three months or so, uh, a great deal of time, money, and effort um, has been put into um, some 50th anniversary uh, content uh, for the Yom Kippur War. The Yom Kippur War is the uh, biggest of the uh, four major Arab-Israeli wars, uh, started on 6 October 1973. We've been looking forward to doing the 50th anniversary of that for like literally the last two years. Um, actively preparing for it. The games have been played. They've all been recorded. Um, some some all-night sessions, putting together the material for it, like editing those videos. And then, of course, if um, unless you've been living under a rock this weekend, um, you've seen some very, very distressing news, you know, coming out of the region. Um, absolutely not trying to be cute about it, but someone beat us to it as far as marking the anniversary. Um, 
in the worst way possible. So um, the uh, the video was publishing last night, and um, you know it takes a while for it to uh, to render. And of course, we had some YouTube problems, but it was basically ready to render at about 4:30 this morning. Um, so apologies, I'm I'm literally on an all nighter here. I've gotten like nine hours of sleep this week, and um, it just I mean, my my fingers hovering over the publish uh, the the publish button, and I'm like, well, maybe if I change the title of the video, maybe if I put a disclaimer in front of the video, and no matter how I tried to work it, um, I I was I was fifty percent on one hand and fifty percent on the other hand about whether or not we should push it, and to be honest, the fifty percent that said we should push it is just because of all the work that I put into it. I'm like, well, maybe now isn't the time to you know be selfish about it. Um, so I put up some, uh, as Bill mentioned, I put up some, um, uh, some, you know, con- uh, some surveys, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one on our discord, uh, which so far is leaning against putting it up. And I don't know if we've had any replies on the Facebook, um, uh, question yet, but, um, it doesn't look like it yet. It only went up like 17 minutes ago, but the one on discord has gotten a more immediate response. It's, it's close. It's like, it's like, 60% no. So I don't know. I mean, of course, we'll get your opinion too, Bill. But at the moment, I, I don't think we're going to be going ahead and um, and, uh, and and publishing this stuff. So, yeah, that's pretty much October's content. Um, three videos uh, probably won't be going out uh, because, I mean, the one thing is to delay and, like, let an interval I kind of go past. The problem with that is that it's time for this, you know, like the content is about the 50th anniversary. It won't be the 50th anniversary anymore. Like it won't even be October. And from what we hear out of the region so far, this is not going to be the usual lightning Israeli strike where it's all, you know, they pretty much win in a matter of hours, if not days. And then, you know, that's the end of it. So I don't think by November, this thing is going to be resolved, at least not by what we're seeing so far. It's it happened, what, like a day and a half ago, two days. Yeah. Uh, at the most, so we don't really know anything for sure yet. But yeah, I mean, when 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 Ukraine kicked off for real in February of 22, we stayed away from Ukraine for a while, like almost like over a year. Right? I didn't put up any more Ukraine content. So I don't I don't know if this is uh, if this um, Yom Kippur content is is going to see the light of day. To be honest, I mean, it it sucks, but. At the same time, we have, you know, something of a responsibility. I mean, we're just a small channel, but at the same time, um, you know, we, we got to be sensitive to what's going on. So here's here's my take on it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, would it be appropriate to hit the button and go live today? No. Um, right. Next month? Maybe. The thing is... These are two separate, while it's one of the countries involved is obviously in both, it's two separate times in history. Um, You know, the Yom Kippur War was Israel against Egypt and is it Syria as well? Yep. Uh, it was like which the Arab- is which is the, which is the part we were going to do. I mean, it's not right. like we're doing one of the battles in the West Bank. Right. Then it wouldn't even be a question. And right. in seven, in sixty-seven and fifty-six, there are some huge battles in the West Bank. Um, this is what's going to be up on the Golan Heights yeah. tank battle out in the Golan yeah. Heights. No civilians in the way. Nevertheless, I mean, the the timing is just too. Uh, it, it, it's 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 a sticky situation, a sticky wicket, if you will. Um, I personally say. There's nothing wrong with us airing it maybe after the event has ended. You know, 
is the actual anniversary it's now right no, it was it, actually it's a couple days ago right it October was 6th. was it at the beginning of Yom Kippur which was in September right if I'm understanding yeah it, it depends it depends on the year that it's okay. a, it's a Okay. calendar the okay. one that we were doing it begins 1400 hours local uh, six october here's my opinion your content is very well done it is not biased to one side or another uh you you come from just a purely historical standpoint you're not touting the side of the israelis you're not touting the side of the arab nations that were you know on the other side um you're presenting history is it unfortunate that Israel is having the issues it is having currently? Yes. So my thought would be a couple months, maybe, you know, again, we have to gauge what happens in history right now. But there's no reason why we should not air it. Yes, it's not going to be right on the timeline of it, but we oh, can, yeah. you know, it is what it is. That a lot of places do not air stuff right on the 50th anniversary. You, you are steadfast. I'm going to do it on the... 50th anniversary. I'm going to coincide with the actual anniversary. There are a ton of, you know, programs on professional channels, broadcast channels that will air something during that year of the 50th anniversary. Um, even if we have to put a caveat screen, a little disclaimer at the beginning, this was filmed prior to the events of October, 2023. So be it. Yep. It, it is. We're not making light of a situation. You are presenting a historical fact that happened, what, 50 years ago? You know, that, that, that would be like, well, we don't want to do, I don't want to do Little Bighorn, you know, because uh, right now there is a Native American brouhaha going on out west about land. They're not fighting or anything like that. You know, it's reservation stuff like that. It, I'm just using that as a very broad example. Yep. Um, we ha we're presenting history. We're not making history. We're not making policy. We're not taking sides. We are presenting history from the standpoint of some people who lived 50 years ago and fought for what they believed in, right? Whether it's you're on the Israeli side or on the Arab nation side. Um, there is no good guy. There's no bad guy in history. Let's be that outside of a few exceptions. You know yeah, those exceptions. I mean, this is kind of what I was thinking about last night. I mean, what's going on right now is is very. Let's just say it's asymmetrical. Yeah. From what I can tell, it's not you know two armies fighting each other. This is this I mean, is more of a terrorist action. From what and, and the yeah, little I know, it's it, that, that's kind of what I'm seeing as well. And um, okay, when when it comes to you know terrorism, then you're like okay that you can sort of pick one side or the other. What we right. were trying to present or what we were going to present uh, today is Syrian army versus Israeli army. And I've, some of the commentary that's in the, uh, that's in the intro part of that video yeah. is uh, like you say, it's right down the middle and um, a little critical of both sides. I just felt it was kind of a weird time to be even marginally critical of Israel. Right. Um, you can be, you can be critical of Israel in 1973. I mean, I'll, like I'm on, get into it because that's literally what I was trying to avoid. Yeah. But, um, what the, I don't think what's going on right now, what's going on now is terrorism. Those people didn't put on a uniform. They didn't sign a contract. They didn't put a rifle on their shoulder. They didn't lace up any boots. They, I'm, I'm hearing about paragliders. I don't know what the hell's going on over there. Paragliders. It's, yeah. Um, it's insane. What's going on over there right now, but that's, that's, that's just straight out terrorism. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. 
if I might read, we have a response from the Facebook post you did. Yep. Uh, this is from someone named Alias Zug. Yep, I'm seeing it. Okay. I think you should. It's history, and hopefully learning it, even by war game, helps to better understand the present situation. If you wait for peace to settle there, and in far too many other places in the world, you will probably wait for a long time. Last thing, we can hope that people playing war games are educated and able to put things into perspective. Good luck. Definitely appreciate the um, support of uh, the comment. And yeah, uh, from what we're hearing, um, this is not going to be like a you know 2008 Iron Dome kind of a thing where it's a quick series of airstrikes, uh, very bloody, but you know, it's going to be over in a week or so. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the situation this time. Oh. I, it, you know, just when you think something's going to go one way, the, the Israeli military has a way of throwing it a curveball and it going another. Um, take the raid on Entebbe. I mean, I'm going back in history, obviously. Oh, yeah. Nobody expected that to happen, to be honest with you. And then they went in and did what they had to do. Um Yes. Is this going to be a quick lightning strike? No. But knowing the Israeli army and government from, I'm not an expert by any means, but from the little bit I know, they don't tolerate and they don't sit on their hands. Yeah, they're they're not known for, no. forgive the bleep, but fucking around when no. it comes to this kind of thing. I mean, if you look at their clandestine people, the Mossad and, you know, others, those guys, they went into freaking Germany during the Olympics, yep. right? And took care of business. They went into somebody else's country and took care of business because that country would. I mean, that's why the GSG-9 was developed is because of the Olympics. Um, that's the German Special Operations Group. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. From a from a perspective of a military hist I'm not a military historian I I would claim you to be one more than me but uh you know as, as a appreciator aficionado of military history it will be interesting to see how this plays out from the purely stra strategy and tactical standpoint um our thoughts and prayers go with all in that region uh, it's just a bloody mess i wish people would get along honest with you um but you know unfortunately it doesn't seem to happen a lot um so we'll have to see what happens um so my thought is it, we air it maybe not right this minute but yep. before the end of the year i mean you could even put it over the christmas holiday season you know so to give you some time off to enjoy with your family um you know give you that since you've worked so hard on it i do not want to see it going into the can that, that that's not the answer that's almost like not, go with me this is big stretch yep. book burning banning books just because somebody doesn't like it, it's a, a hot topic it's not the you know we don't want to we don't want to touch that no we can't we as a channel have to be responsible right and we have to present history as history is presented we can't not it's not right it's not fair it's not ethical Yes, there's a human factor to it, and that's what we're discussing now. But at the same token, what happened 50 years ago, while in some aspects does affect what's happening currently, it is a different army. It's a different you know, area. It's Hamas is different than Egypt and Syria and all those that were involved 
in Yom Kippur. So, right, at least they're regular armies for certain. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Jen has put up some very interesting things. I think the Israelis are at the point where they're just going to. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's just a very, very interesting thing. So that that's my opinion. If anybody out there that's watching uh, agrees or disagrees, please let us know. Um, I apologize for the Sunday change in schedule. Um, work just, I was like Jim working on uh, videos and stuff for the channel. I was in the real world work till very late Friday night handling some uh, issues. And uh, it just wasn't going to happen on Saturday morning, to be honest with you. And I, I don't know about you, Jim, but I actually prefer Sunday morning shows. I think the Sunday morning works better for me personally, but you know, that's just me. I, you know, I'd have to ask the rest of the team. I mean, we originally changed it to Saturday to accommodate, uh, Chris long and he hasn't been back on the show. Yeah, That was a while ago. I love Chris and Chris ha handles a lot of our background stuff on Facebook, but, um, I don't know about you, Jim, but I prefer Sunday morning more than Saturday morning. Um, so that's just me. I don't know. Anybody in the audience, if you'd like to let us know as well, I would appreciate it. Um, anywho. So I don't know. Does that help you at all, Jim, at all? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I literally was 50-50 was all night. Yeah. So I, uh, so I put up the, the, um, the uh, channels. I'm yeah. sorry. I put up the surveys on the channels yeah. uh, just to kind of see which way the community was leaning. And, um, Looks like I'm not the only one having a tough time making up my mind about it. I mean, yeah, we're definitely not going to, I don't think, publish it today. Yeah. It was supposed to go by like midnight last night, so it's already nine hours, ten hours late. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty much a wash for so this weekend. So we need some kind of content for today then? Well, I'm not putting anything up today. Or no, no, tomorrow. no, no. I'm just asking. So that was what was scheduled was that. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, that, that was the rest of October. Okay. Well, we'll count today's show as Sunday content, and then – was next week supposed to be Yom Kippur as well? Part two. Uh, would Part you be opposed to you and I doing a Panzer Blitz game or something next week? Uh, honestly, um, Bill, I'll be perfectly frank. I'm thinking about taking a break for a while. That's fine. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Um, like a long break, like three months or so. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that off camera. Okay. Uh, I don't want to drop that on you like on camera, but it's 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 starting to affect other parts of my life. Yeah, no problem. Not a problem. Understood. Believe me, I understand. All right. Um, well, I, I'd ask you what you've been up to, but we kind of know that one already. Well, the Mogadishu content went up. I mean, just yeah, it was great. Uh, something I don't want to say good news, but I mean, content-wise, um, the third we did hit the thirtieth anniversary. Uh, those videos were pretty well uh, uh, were, were pretty well received. So you know, there has been some some uh, good stuff happening on the channel lately. Yeah. Oh, and um, the commander in chief has given you your marching orders for next weekend. By the way. Oh, I'm I'm out of town next weekend. I, yeah, that's <laughs> that's something else. So, don't worry about it. I I I got it handled for next weekend. It's not a problem. Um, you know, like I said, with my current work schedule, weekends are much easier for me to get content out than like trying to shoot a Wednesday night unless I have something pre-recorded. Um, so don't worry about it. I got you covered. Cool. Yeah. I mean, Wednesdays, Wednesdays are tough. I mean, yeah. I, I'm kind of fortunate I get to work from home and even then it's like, cause you want to yeah. put a promo material, you want to set up the stream ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, now that there goes your lunch break, you know, you're working at six in the morning before you, you know, log in for work or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like I, it never failed. I'd say, okay, we're doing this Wednesday night show. I throw it out. Tuffy is in the house. Welcome, Tuffy. Um, and it's like somebody watches it at work, and they're like, oh, you're going to do that tonight. Well, let me throw you this curveball, and you, you know, have to stay late and deal with this and blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's almost – I can almost set a clock by it, um, which is cool. All right. So – uh, yeah, no, your Mogadishu table was amazing. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the whole video series on that one. Um, I was worried at one point when um, when your Humvee got knocked out by that one technical sitting there on the corner yeah. of that building. I was like, oh, boy, is this going to be the sticking point? And then your uh, little bird uh, running out of ammo in the, what, turn two? So. Uh, getting some pretty piss poor rolls and then running out of ammo. <laughs> yeah. And then McKnight, I mean, he's, 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 he gets a D 12. He's, he's one of the baddest guys on the table. He just second half of the uh, second half of the game. McKnight never rolled above a three on a yeah. D 12 yeah. and it's literally on camera. And that yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of counting on that because that's your reactions. He's literally the Lieutenant Colonel. It's one of the great things about force on force is that, you know, your guys might shoot at each other or whatever. And okay. You're, you're, you know, like your guys like who, or, you know, um, Sergeant first class at the time, uh, uh, uh Sergeant first class, Norman Hooten, mm -hmm. Eric Bonner's character in the movie, you know, he's a badass yeah. with his little, you know, his little carbine and all that shit. But yeah. as far as running the, the force, you need a commander and that commander better have some big dice. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Daniel McKnight commanding officer, third battalion, 75th Rangers. He's, bona fide badass mm -hmm. and then the dice just kept throwing bricks man i'm like mcknight what are you doing man you're <laughs> we're gonna get a message from the real mcknight going what the hell are you guys doing to me right it's not my fault it's the dice sir apologize yeah no it was a beautiful how long did it take you to set up that table uh to set it up was like two hours yeah it was an hour driving time two hours of setup time we got to play for like four hours an hour to take it down and then an hour out. We literally spent more time driving and taking it up and putting it down than we spent uh, playing. Wow. But nature of the beast. But it, it very well done. I mean, and all that terrain was your much. kit built terrain for the most part, right? Uh, like 99%. Like the only thing I didn't build by from scratch on that was uh, the palm trees. Other than mm -hmm. that, everything on there was scratch built. And if you guys have not seen that, Jim has a video posted on our YouTube channel on how he makes those buildings. Um, so if you go back in there, uh, you know, I, I'll see if I can find the link for it. But uh, it, it it's amazing how simple it appears to be. You know, it's nothing like overly fancy, um, but very effective. Very, very effective. Yeah, I mean, in, in summary, you just start building boxes. And yeah. um, if you just put the boxes on the table, it would look like a bunch of shoe boxes with, uh, you know, um, some Adobe skins put it over it. And it would be like, okay, that's a bunch of boxes with, but if you make a bunch of smaller boxes and the question, the, the, the key is just numbers. It's just scale. It's like, a, you know, the Soviet army, you just throw enough infantry at the problem. It eventually goes away. Um, you just put enough of those little blocks next to each other and kind of Lego block it together. Pretty soon it no longer has that strict, you know, cubicle or shoebox shape. Now they actually look like real buildings. Right. And they're also easier to store that way because you, you flip that bigger box over, you throw all the little boxes in it. And before you know it, uh, it helps with storage as well. So it helps on storage. It's very cheap. It just is very labor intensive is the only downside.
Did you do that as a live show or was that a recorded one? Do you remember? I think it was live. I think it was like there were a couple of live ones. Yeah. Where I was like, you know, going through the opening stages of building um, some some buildings. Because, you know, um, the way YouTube breaks down things, it's either recorded or live. Yep. So I'm pretty sure that was live. Ah, well, there's your desert buildings one. I can sh um, use that one. Let me get a link on that. Share. Yeah, I think Christmas of 21 was uh, Trenton. We built some World War, uh, World War, uh, some Revolutionary War buildings. All right, I put the link up in the comments there for your desert ones. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, I mean, very effective. And for those who have storage problems, like he says, you can stack them in and... Uh, yes, Tuffy, we still believe you're six. Um, and, you know, it was very effective. It, it looked great. Um, and it's, you know, for those who um, are on a budget, you know, because I, I I would love a table full of miniature building authority. Uh, he, he can set up a really nice table of Mogadishu with their buildings. But that's thousands of dollars. You know, oh, it'll yeah. look great, but it's thousands and thousands of dollars when you add it all up. Um, but Jim's way, your investment is time more than anything. You know, yeah, time, uh, yeah. Uh, glue, and uh, patience. <laughs> so yeah, that's essentially you know if you can sit down for how many ever days it takes you to do what you need to do, um, you can put it together, and your investment is the basic materials plus time. So, for the uh, the Trenton game, we. Or I basically built the city of Trenton in 20 millimeter. Uh, even in uh, 1776, Trenton was a decent sized town. Mm -hmm. And it was just the entire month of December. You know, once the, uh, I think it's the TNT channels just starts playing like the Christmas story. Yeah. Over and over and over. 12 times a day. <laughs> we just literally put on the Christmas story and I was just smashing out buildings. And it got to be like a game. Like, can I build a building in the time it takes for one run of the Christmas story? And, two hours to build a building. I mean, those buildings were a little more complex. They actually had, you know, little um, dormers, I think they call them on the side mm -hmm. of the buildings. They had little chimneys. Uh, they weren't just boxes. Uh, modern architecture is a little less imaginative, I think, than like old colonial Victorian stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, to, to put one of those things together in two hours, once you, once you got the system down, um, you do that like eight times a day. Okay, now you just put in 16 hours of work. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Before you know it, you've got a town. So yeah, just a lot of time. It is. Sorry, I'm checking settings here. Just make sure I have got things right. Um, no, it's very effective. Like I said, you know, the Trenton table was beautiful. The Mogadishu. And you did another table, didn't you? Um, was oh, it just we those did, two? We, we did I've done tons, tons of tables. Uh, well, I mean, Fallujah, with that yeah, Fallujah, yeah, we did, we did Fallujah, which is a lot of the same buildings and roads, just set up to look at a certain part of Fallujah, namely uh, the pizza slice is mm -hmm. what they called it because the roads kind of it look in the map it looks like a slice of pizza almost. Sure. Um, where um, uh, elements of uh, I think it was. Ooh, I should know this. Oh, 3-5 Marines, uh, Kilo Company, 3-5 Marines. Actually, we're hooking up with uh, 2nd Battalion, 7th Cavalry, um, U.S. Army. So both, that's why there was a Blackhawk in that game, because I don't think the Marines were flying Blackhawks at the time. So I don't even know if they fly Blackhawks now, to be honest. Um, I knew they weren't when I was in. I can promise you that. But we wanted to put the Blackhawk in the game. We figured out a way to do it. Oh, 2-7 is in the area, so that's how we did it. Okay. Oh. Uh. 
Well, uh, Tuffier says, I'm working on a, what project to do next, maybe 28 mil WW2 or something more modern. Uh, Jen says, you also did something with the aluminum roofed hooches in Vietnam. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of great terrain ideas. Um, you know, I hope people, if you have not seen those videos, go back and look at them and, uh, and all that. Uh, oh, yeah, what Jen's talking about are the uh, some of the Vietnam terrain. So you watch like these old Vietnam movies, like the American uh, fire bases. There's a bunch of sandbags, and it looks like that corrugated metal on the roof, usually with more sandbags spot on top of it. So like there, yeah, you, you just get like a, a, a sheet of corrugated cardboard, like, Okay, I don't have any handy here, but like the very basic stuff. Yeah. You carefully peel off one side of it and you get that little corrugation on there. Paint it gray, dry brush it orange to suggest some rust and bada bang, bada boom, you're good. You're there. Yeah. Bob's your uncle. Awesome. So guys, you know, uh you we have a Discord channel and a lot of great activity going on, uh hobbying and you know, Jim's very, very active in the Discord channel. That yeah. is one more positive thing we can bring up today. Our our Discord uh, a couple weeks ago broke 200 members, so nice. We're doing pretty well there. Congratulations! And we did post. Um, I've got to get the poll going. I it, it'll be on my list of things to do today uh, for our awards. Um, you know, so we'll get that up going, and uh, we want to get that cooking. Um, should we cover some news items, Jim? Um, sure. Okay. Um, I would do an intro, but it's Marty's, and it's just not the same effect. So, what's in the news? All right. Our first item up for bid, kids, is... Uh, da, da, da. I don't even know. I'm trying to figure out my page here. Let me see it. Okay. Um, American Civil War? Nope, that's not it. There it is. Something that Jim might appreciate. Soviet Scout Squad, 20 millimeter, uh, from Seb Games. Never heard of this company. Um, so they have Soviet Scouts. I'm assuming these are World War II Scouts by the look of the uniforms and weapons. Can you see that, Jim? Um, I can see the basic shape, yeah. Yeah. So Soviet Scouts in 20 millimeter, yeah, it, it would be, yeah, I'm seeing those, uh, those, those hats, those covers. There we go. I got a bigger picture. There you go. Um, yeah, that's. Um, oh yeah, I think one of them's carrying a PPSH. Yeah, those are definitely uh, World War II scouts. Okay. So I think they were called uh, Radvachiki. Uh, was the Soviet name for them? They're mm -hmm. actually kind of badass. Um, they were one of the first uh, military uh, outfits to wear what we would kind of rec recognize as sort of an ancestor of like the modern ghillie suit, and um, their camouflages. I mean, they weren't the first to wear, you know camouflage patterns that's either the marine corps or the waffen ss but but they were right there they were right behind them and uh yeah the germans did not like those guys because they were very very good at um you know being where you didn't expect them to be let's just put it that way sure now were they prevalent throughout the eastern campaign or did they develop later into it Do you know um yeah, the, the early the soviet army is destroyed and rebuilt like literally four times over um, but by the middle of 42, you definitely start seeing these guys. They're out in front of, um, you know, where the Soviet army is expecting to, you know, launch some kind of a breakthrough mm -hmm. or so on. They're also working even further back. They, uh, the, uh, the, 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 co the scale and the coordination almost to a ruthless degree 
Um, in fact, this, we're talking about the Soviets in World War II. Everything's ruthless. Um, with which uh, their partisan um, effort was managed. It um, it was not like it was in Yugoslavia or even northern Italy, where there's just guys running around with guns, and it's basically Red Dawn, the prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not like that at all. The uh, French resistance, uh, the Maquis, and are, are pretty tightly coordinated, at least as best as they could, um, because... Like you had special operations executive uh, with the British or whatever, you know, paratrooping them in supplies and agents and radios and trying to come up with a plan. Like, let's concentrate a little bit in northern France, like getting ready for for D-Day or whatever. The Russians, it was it was a part of the army. Yeah. Uh, once you joined the partisans, the, you had a lieutenant, you had a captain, you had a you know a, a battalion commander. It was they were very, very serious about that. And these Radvachiki were very uh, heavily engaged in that. Mm-hmm. And even in defensive battles, uh, they were very good at operating behind German lines and then making sure that they could tell, we're seeing a lot of tanks on this road. I think they might be making a push here or something like that, you know, and, you know, finding like German artillery positions so that when the Germans would launch an offensive, the Soviets could put a counter battery artillery on them, you know, right off the bat. Yeah. Like a lot of special forces, a lot of times it's not really like a, direct combat like seal team six kind of a thing in a war gaming sense it almost be it would almost be like a like a bonus to your force like oh gotcha. you've got you've got good scouts your counter battery artillery is plus one for this turn or something like that okay very cool all right next up will be oh, we're kind of jumping around but that's okay that is okay we have some 28 millimeter World War II British infantry from Vitrix. Gotta love Vitrix. They've been around forever. So, uh, so we have some Brits from World War II. They look all right. And they're plastics. You know, Vitrix does plastics. So, barrel's a little warped there, but that's, you know, the thing about Vitrix. Well, I'm not going to cast any stones out of that glass house. Some no. of my barrels are like, uh, Arisky, are those units supposed to be able to shoot around walls with those barrels <laughs> of yours? <laughs> Did you mean to do that? Vitrix, the th- thing about Vitrix is a great, I mean, they've really upped their game as far as sculpts lately. I mean, if you go back, to, was it almost 20 years, some of their stuff was like, eh, you know, um, but now it's gotten much better. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how many guys you get in a box these days, but um, doesn't say on the page. I, I don't I don't have any. The oldest minis I have, my girlfriend in an antique store found me a, a pack of um, 20 millimeter air fix minis oh really that were like 45 years old they've been yeah. still and they're still in the box so i was like do i keep them in the box hell no man they're miniatures so i <laughs> broke them out and painted them and yeah you can tell yeah these minis were different 45 50 years ago yeah like the technology was different still good but at the same time it's 40 years old yeah usually you get quite a few minis in a box from vitrix you know the plastics and stuff like that um if you're looking to and as an entry point you're on a limited budget I would definitely recommend that. They do a lot in 20 mil, though, to be honest with you. Uh, I see more in 20 mil from them than anything. Um, 20 mil is a fun scale. All my moderns are 20 mil. Well, I shouldn't say that. About half my minis are 20 mil. I'll I'll put it this way. All my infantry battles are in 20 mil. I mean, just as an example, 
hopefully you can see that you can. Uh, yep. There is this World War II starter pack. Uh, everything you need to get started, a 12-millimeter game. Uh, designed to play Company Commander website, da-da-da-da. So there's this game, uh, Company Commander. Um, anyways, you get uh, 92 British infantry, 92 German infantry, uh, four Shermans, four Panzer IVs, plus decals and all that for 50 bucks. It's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, they have that. That uh, is a full company. That's that's two platoons plus a platoon of armor on both sides. Yeah, so that's like a, a, a mixed company. Yeah, Fitrix has always been one of those companies, you know, where you can get a lot for a really decent price. And like I said, uh, years ago, their sculpts and stuff was more on the to toy soldier ish, if you will. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a fan of them. And nice thing is that. Um, my friend over at the Phalanx Consortium, who it's a gaming company that moved here to Clarksville, Tennessee. So he's literally down the street from me. So I now have a supplier of the tricks that I can go directly to. Nice. Yeah. And the other nice thing about that starter kit is they gave you the right tanks. Uh, you know, Mark IVs and, and what? Shermans. What, versus Tigers? Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lot of, a lot of player. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of whatever people choose to play, but like if I see one more King Tiger on a, uh, <laughs> on a, uh, on a board, it's like, you know, they had like 500 of those, right. And like in the last, well, last year, last year yeah. of the war. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got next. Let me get rid of a couple of these pages. Uh, what do we have here? Um, yes, Jen, the Maquis were a real thing. Uh, I think Star Trek <laughs> kind of stole the name. Um, because that's kind of how they saw themselves. They, they in the show they kind of saw themselves as like a noble um, sort of a resistance. And this gets into the whole you know one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist kind of a debate. All right. So Marty posted this link to this shop of Day of Battle Games Pod. So to Jim's annoyance, I don't know if you've noticed it yet, Jim. If you're oh, I'm looking, twitching. I'm looking right at it. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> My favorite what do they have ever? as representing the American Revolution? My favorite movie ever. Oh my god! I, I mean, literally, I, sent a, I admit, I like The Patriot, and I don't like it because it's historically accurate. I just like it because movie. it's a good popcorn movie. It's a it's a, it's it's a pretty movie, and however you feel about him, Mel Gibson is a fantastic actor. Yeah. Um. But god damn that movie! <laughs> it's it's. It's, I'm going to get on the whole rant, but it's, oh, like not all movies are historically accurate. Like I, sometimes people like they hear me rant about Patton or they hear me rant about, uh, uh, hell I'll rant about Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers has held up as like this shining gold standard. Oh, that, don't talk that, bad about Band of Brothers. That show has some problems, big historical problems. Um, but then they say, oh, my God, if he's going to, you know, flip out about, uh, you know, Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan or, you know, these these other movies, what's he going to say about Inglorious Bastards or Indiana Jones or Overlord or any of those movies? I'm like, those movies are so far over. The, they're not even trying. They're not right. cloaking themselves in history. They're not wrapping the flag around themselves. Yeah, that's that's what I can't stand about movies like The Patriot. It's trying to be a historical movie and it's actively lying to you in some legitimately dangerous ways like characterizing like what the kinds of things the british were, army were doing in that war yeah. there were huge huge atrocities and the americans were committing them all so don't pin them on the british by having them lock the whole village in a church and burn it down i mean 
those kinds of things were happening. Guess what? It was the Patriots that were doing it. So Tuffier says, I hear the Patriot is as historic as Braveheart. Braveheart, Braveheart is another bad one. And um, especially if you're Scottish. I mean, yeah. some of the things that they put forward in that show are like uh, Wallace was not some commoner. He was a member of the nobility. He wore, you know, armor. He had lands. He had a title. Um, and I'm sorry. He hooked up with uh, Princess Isabel and that, you know, her child was actually his. Well, first of all, they're like two generations apart. Um, that would be like saying that not only was Abraham Lincoln uh, cheating on his wife, but he was banging Martha. Or he was banging uh, George Washington's wife. It's like, hey, not only is that insulting, but it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But then the the actual person that is born of that union turns out to be Edward the Third. Which, if you're, you know, pro Scotland, is you know one step short of Adolf Hitler. Man, I mean, Edward the Third is a absolute. Uh, monster in um, Scottish history, like 10 yeah. times, and not only more cruel, but more of a badass, more of a capable king in general than Edward the first even was, never mind Edward the yeah. second. And then, you know, slinging the, not to get all political, but not to, slinging the gay card at Edward the second. I mean, there, there's no real evidence of that. Uh, it's, it's just a bad movie historically in, in some very distasteful ways. Yeah. No, I get you. So, you know, again, it's a popcorn movie. Historically oh, yeah, based, right? The, the first time I saw it, I thought it was great. Then I started so what, reading about okay, it. Okay, I, I said, have oh. to ask, because this is something that's interesting to me, is Band of Brothers. What was your big contention with Band of Brothers? Um, it's, it's more like on, on a personal level and yeah. more on a, um, like how the characters are portrayed um, – Specifically, so the summary, not to like turn into like a whole part of the podcast where we just bash on Band of Brothers, but it's, it's, if you were still alive and you were involved in the production, like you were one of the guys giving the interviews or whatever at the end of the mm -hmm. show, you came off really well. If you had already passed away or if you chose not to be a part of the, you know, production or whatever, yeah, not so much. Like, mm. like, uh, first Lieutenant Dyke. Um, the guy who's portrayed as an absolute idiot and, you know, a very, very poor leader in the uh, Battle of the Bulge episodes. There's no evidence to support that. Um, they, uh, the one guy, Private uh, Blythe, I think he's called, Yeah. Um, takes a bull through both sides of his neck. He's like crying in the bottom of a foxhole and he dies of his wounds. He retires as lieutenant colonel in 1969. So shit like that. Um, the way they portrayed... Uh, I can't remember his name. I think it begins with a W. It's um, the guy who was shot in, um, he, he, he took a minor wound in the Market Garden episode. He doesn't come back till episode nine. And oh, yeah, I know like, what you're talking about. Yeah, and he winds up, I mean, in real life, he becomes like this oceanographer. And he, I think he's like actually lost at sea sometime yeah, in the 50s. Yeah. Again, he's not part of the show, you know, later on. So they kind of have a carte blanche as far as how they portray him. And a lot of this stuff is just either straight out wrong or it's a little uh, weird about how they um, hmm. how they how, how they portray them. Like, little things, it's definitely like better than most. It's like nine point five out of ten. Okay. So you know, don't get me wrong, but it's yeah. it's not like a ten out of ten. Gotcha. Okay. I usually bring that stuff up because I like the Pacific, and most people like Band of Brothers more. I'm like, well, you like Pacific, really? Yeah. Right. Surprise, surprise. 
So I mean, I can see why. I mean, Pacific it's, it's actually more... well done. I, I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's because Band of Brothers came out first. When I saw Pacific, I was actually bored. It was boring. It's, it's, it's a lot more accurate. And yeah. sometimes when you stay really accurate to the it's history. Boring. It, life it, is it boring. boring. Yeah, real <laughs> life does get boring. Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is where Band of Brothers, I mean, it's not as historically accurate as the Pacific is. And, and uh-huh. the problem, well, first of all, not to throw any shade, but. 101st is in the war all of what 11 months i mean right? pacific those guys are in the war august of 42 to like july of 45 right they're in the whole the, at least the pacific part they're in the whole pacific and yep. it's this is where band of brothers does have an edge is it group because it deals with a much shorter period of time yeah is it grabs one group of guys easy company 502nd battalion 506 and it just tells that one story pacific because the war is like six times as long mm-hmm. has to jump around between different yeah. timelines yeah, different characters assessment. and it yeah. kind of breaks up that the, 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 the characters don't all know each other yeah uh they seem to die at random times because it's just funny thing that happens in combat um you tend People to get die. killed at random times you know? yeah and it's like it's not uh you know it doesn't it doesn't seem to flow as well from a narrative perspective right. and it doesn't so well, that's what always bothered me about Bannon Brothers is that they chose the 101st and made them into this big, glorious jumping. The 82nd was in the war from what 42 they, to they the did. end of the war. They they they, they landed. They jumped in Tun- the torch. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. actually went into what Tunisia originally uh, back in the day, and then they did Sicily, and then Italy, and then you know France and uh, Arnhem. Um, they had one, two, three combat jumps, I think. Oh, I would, I would say, well, they landed in North Africa. I'm not sure it was Tunisia, but they were, they, it was North Africa for sure. Yeah. And yeah. it didn't go well. Like, I don't think they ever yeah. got into combat because they landed so far off. Sicily didn't go so well. In fact, we had an episode with the 52nd mm-hmm. in Sicily. Um, so that's two. They did land in, uh, I think they landed, yeah, they, they had to have landed somewhere in Italy. That would be three. Normandy is four, Arnhem is five, and I'm I not think sure that was the last one. Okay, so I know there were some jumps. There were, oh, in, I think the five uh, in Germany, but I don't know if that was eighty six. Was it the eleventh Airborne that did the last jump? Eleventh uh, or seventeenth? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are some other units that yeah. happened later. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Hello, eighty second Airborne. Did we get a show? Oh no, no. Give it to the screaming chickens. But hey, whatever. <laughs> there he goes. Anyhow, um, yes, Tuffy Ears, Masters of the Air is out soon. That's uh, the new Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg collaboration about the Army Air Force, uh, Bomber Command, I believe. In I think, yeah, that, yeah, I think it's the Air Force. I'm going to find out some information about that. I would like to do a viewing party. I think that'd be cool. Okay. We could do it like a you know the first episode, and Jim can go. Nope, mm, that's all right. Mm, nope. Uh, I would I, I would normally say, oh look. Tom Hanks is going to tell me about World War II again. There's another movie I can't stand, Greyhound. That movie is so full of shit. Oh, really? Oh, it's, it's so I, I know nothing it's about so... that. That so I, you know, I I enjoyed it for the story. When when the German U boat commander is like speaking through the loudspeaker aboard the U.S. destroyer, and there's now like surface battles taking. I'm like, oh, no. that movie <laughs> lost me in the trailer. Oh. Um. At the same time, though, I'm interested in this new one because mm-hmm. the last couple big eighth air force or not even really like 15th air force as well. The big American European bomber command movies that we've gotten lately have been pretty bad. Yeah. Um, Tuskegee airman was outstanding. Red tails is trash. 
and one more example of how George Lucas is an idiot and <gasps> full of himself and not really very creative. Um, no, he, he sits there in front of. Oprah Are you saying he, he says, lost his creativity after Star Wars? I don't think he was very creative in Star Wars. <gasps> he wasn't. He was, I mean, he made up a, a really, really, really bad story, and it was rewritten by the studio, and it was saved by the editors, and it was saved by his wife. Mm. Um, if you actually look at the original script, I mean. Han Solo was supposed to be a big, like, frog-looking creature, like, basically Admiral Ackbar. Uh, oh, C3, God. No, C-3PO was going to be this, uh, like, like this used car salesman. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. The whole idea at the Battle of Yavin that the big rebel attack on the Death Star at the end of, like, Episode Four was happening while the Death Star was – it was just going to happen in the middle of space. Oh, here's the Death Star. We're going to attack it. The idea that the Death Star is trying to get around Yavin Four and or trying to get around Yavin and hit the, the fourth moon—that's uh -huh. all his wife, and okay. that was put in after. You know, that's why once George Lucas gets his full control, full hands on Star Wars, and he has no one to tell him no because by now he's so you know rich and famous. He's an amazing businessman. I mean, Lucasfilm, LucasArts, Skywalker yeah. Sound, uh, THX. I mean, the guy the guy quickly figured out that, hey, I can make a movie or I can make lunchboxes and toys. And I can make, you know, $100 of lunchboxes and toys yeah. for every dollar I make on the movie. Or I can make more movies or I can own THX, Industrial Light and Magic, you know, um, yep. Skywalker sound, Lucasfilm, LucasArts. I can, I can own 5% of every movie that's ever made. I'm not downing the guy's business acumen, but he's not, a, he's not a storyteller. And you can tell that just looking at the, the devolution of star Wars, as soon as he actually gets his hands free and clear on star Wars, we get Jar Jar Binks and Metaclorians and it hasn't been right since, mm -hmm. uh, we, we, even before that, we get the, uh, the refilms with the, the edited stuff that ruins yeah. the original movies. Yeah. Um, but I got off topic there vis-a-vis -vis red tails. I mean, he sat in front of Oprah Winfrey, this video is out there on YouTube. You can find it. And says, no, no one's ever made this movie before about this unit. I'm like, dude, the Tuskegee airmen came out eight years ago. And some of the people that are in your movie are the same actors that were in Tuskegee Airmen. <laughs> Ask your own cast. They'll tell you they've been in this movie before. Yeah. I was a colonel in your movie. I was a captain in the last movie because it's like 10, 15 years later. Uh, and it's also just terrible. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. So again, that's like one of the, like that's technically like 15th Air Force. So you've got 8th Air Force, 15th Air Force out of Italy. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Memphis Bell. Um, no. Perfectly honest. Okay. It's, 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 it's kind of accurate. There was a plane called the Memphis Bell. Yeah, I was on it. To get, um, uh, 25 missions. Some of the lines like Matthew Modine kind of throws out there are a little, uh, you know, jingoistic, um, you know, we're not going to bomb innocent civilians. I got bad news for you. The eighth air force bombed a lot of innocent civilians. Yeah. Um, Winston Churchill himself said, and I quote, we, we regard the civilian morale of the German population as a legitimate military target. And you know, it's, it's a little like cloak yourself in the flag kind of a movie. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if, if we get like an actual realistic depiction yeah. of um, air operations, strategic air operations over, over Western Europe. You know what it's going to make me want to do is play um, B-17 from Avalon Hill. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, we should see when... I hear, I hear that. I've never played it. I hear that game is almost impossible. I hear it's very, very difficult. Is it really? It, 
Is that the game where your uh, your thing is to try and get a plane through legitimately twenty five games, like the same? Something group? like that, yeah. I hear, yeah, that it's like really, really hard. Well, I mean, all war all war games are a little bloodier than the real battle because mm-hmm. you're pushing around pieces of cardboard instead of real people. Yeah. And so the idea of getting a bomber crew through 25 missions, whereas the usual loss rate was like 1%, now it's going to be like 3%. Mm-hmm. But multiplied times 25 times, yeah, you're almost certainly going to lose all your bomber crews eventually. Yeah. is what I've heard. I've never tried the game myself. Yeah, B-17, Queen of the Skies from Avalon Hill. Another classic game back in the day. Um, oh, and then there's Luftwaffe. Another good game from Avalon Hill back in the day. Um, that game, you can get really deep into the weeds on if you do the full campaign on it, you know, so, yeah. Uh, Jen says, I sense a bit of an animosity against 101st. Let's put it, let me be honest with you. Let me get my mouse to work so I can throw that up there for everybody to see. I don't have animosity. It's like West High versus East High. You know, in my in my hometown of Aurora, Illinois, where I finished high school, we had West Aurora, we had East Aurora, and then you had the school I went to, which was Wabansi Valley, which was on the far east side. That's a whole other story. But huge rivalry was East versus West. Um, that's exactly what it is, 101st. You know, they still have Airborne on their patch. They don't jump out of airplanes anymore. They shouldn't have it. It should say Air Assault. They, they're I think dope that's on the, the actual road. name of the of the unit but yeah, yeah it's still on the patch yeah well they, you, uh, their name is 101st airborne parentheses oh, air so. assault okay i got you i got you so and i i can't speak bad of it because my son was in the 506 um he was actually in whatever the company is now it was essentially the same as easy company in the modern version uh he went to afghanistan with the 506 so i i it's part of my family now. I can't help it. It is what it is. But, you know, when I was in the 82nd, you know, we laughed at the 101st because, you know, we're airborne. No, you're not. You, you, you sling from a rope. You're dope on a rope. Dirty, nasty legs. You know, you, I mean, you know, you're, you're screaming chickens. And, you know, um, so, you know, they have some very not nice names before the 82nd. I'll, I'll be honest. There's, we have not been very, some idiots in the 82nd have tarnished, tarnished the, the patch, um, doing some really bad things in, in foreign countries. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, but it's oh, a friendly rivalry. The, the Marines are the same way. I mean, so we, we got bad things to say about the army. You guys call us crayon eaters. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then you, you know, you open up the news and you're like some, some asshole over a third Mar div in Okinawa did what to some yeah. poor, like 16 year old Japanese guy. What the right. hell? You get the yeah. guys. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the 80, yeah, it's it's like some people think I hate Patton, like the general. I hate Patton the movie because it's such a good movie. Mm. Um you know, everybody if Patton the movie was a bad movie, I wouldn't care about it, but it's such yeah. a good movie, everyone's watched it. Yeah. And George C. Scott has now become the idea in American collective memory of what Patton was like, and it's not yeah. even close. Um and I like you're saying, like, okay. I was in the I was in the 82nd. There's also the 101st, and for some reason, because of some dumbass TV show, the 101st gets all the credit or whatever. Well, you got guys like you know easily equal, if not superior, to Patton in rank as well as battlefield ability. Guys like Hodges, Simpson, uh, his mm-hmm. boss Bradley, uh, 
you know, how many people in the chat besides Bill and I have ever heard of some of these guys? Well, why is that? Because the goddamn movie, they didn't make a movie about him with George C. Scott. Yeah. The, if, if they make him, well, unfortunately, 2002, he's passed on. But if I was ever going to have a movie made about me, I, I demand George C. Scott be raised from the dead and play my character. Because <laughs> he made a TV movie called Mussolini, The Untold Story. Oh, and yeah. by, by the end of that movie, you're like, Mussolini was a pretty good guy. I re, He really got a raw deal, and I feel sorry for him. Mussolini, you know. A, a despot and a laughing stock to boot. Yeah. Um, and yet George C. Scott kind of makes him look like a semi badass by the end of the show. And so imagine if you can stack that ability on top of Patton, who was a good general. Yeah. The problem is we had a lot of good generals. They all get pushed aside, overshadowed and forgotten because of that, you know, that movie. Yeah. Um, true. Jen just goes to show you can find idiots anywhere. I mean, look at this TV show. Uh, you know, where's Chris? Oh, wait, there's you no know, in, in resident. <laughs> you can't make fun of people when they're not here. <laughs> oh, yes, I can. That's the perfect time to make fun of them. There you go. Uh, Tuffy here says the British Sixth Airborne. Of course, the famous Red Devils. Um, I actually have British jump wings. Um, I got to uh, jump with the British Airborne back in the day. Earned my British jump wings. Um, yeah. So. So, Tuffy, is there any kind of like... Uh, animosity or um like who gets remembered better you got first airborne and sixth airborne i mean first airborne was first i know they jumped into sicily in fact we just did that game we did permisol bridge um where i actually i i didn't do it my teammate mark did it he burned uh colonel frost alive with an italian flamethrower but that's neither here nor there um but yeah he the first uh, airborne division landed at least in Sicily. Possible, in fact, I know I do know this. Um, Italy as well. Uh, it's part of Operation Slapstick. Mm -hmm. uh, the opening phase of uh, the invasion of mainland Italy. Technically, the opening is Operation Slapstick or no, Operation Baytown. But anyway, um, as opposed to uh, the sixth that landed at Normandy, captured Pegasus Bridge, and Pegasus Bridge is all anybody talks about. Uh, even though the first was in Arnhem, the first was in Sicily, the first was in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. You know, we all have our things. I mean, to your point, if you want to get really into the weeds, what is one of the most well-known British units in history? The 24th foot from 1870s. Uh, why? Because... 1,500 of them got wiped out at Island Wanda. They surrendered at Saratoga. <laughs> it's not the same regiment. It, it, the lineage changed between... No, it's the same regiment. And 150 and of them stood off 4,000 Zulus. Yep. They couldn't stand off 4,000 New Yorkers, but they did stand off 4,000 Zulus. Just saying. Shots fired across Just the saying. bow. It's funny. I say, hey, I thought it was like an interesting thing, thing to bring up because uh, 24th was actually a pretty good a pretty good unit. And it was like, uh, well, back then it's the 24th Regiment of Foot. Now it's the 24th, like, South Wales Borderers or something. Yeah. And it does change. In fact, they didn't call them the South Wales Borderers until after Zulu. It's one of the right. few things the movie gets wrong. Um, but they kind of try to use these name changes to say it's not really the same regiment. I'm like, it's, it's the same regiment. Come on, guys. Yeah. Well, it happens. It happens. 
Now, tough years. The Marines, the Marines always say, especially even when I was in the Marines, they would try and teach you this in boot camp. They'd be like, you know, the Marines have never retreated once in combat. I'm like, I was only 17 years old at the time, but I was like, uh, okay, it was a badass moment, but Chosen Reservoir was a retreat. And um, in fact, I really hope you didn't say that to your uh, DI. Oh no, I, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was young and foolish. I wasn't that young and foolish. I wasn't stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and there were uh, Marine units that fell back along with the rest of the Army, the Potomac and First Bull Run, and that. I mean, anyone who knows anything about the Civil War, that was an absolute rout. Mm. And uh, they got caught up on that route. And, okay, they were 90-day enlistees, but they were wearing the Eagle Globe and Anchor. So the Marine Corps has literally shit its pants and run from the enemy in bat. It's very rare, and you really have to split some hairs, but it has happened. So, yeah. totally. Now, now, tough ears. I really resent the fact that you say I flumped both of my homework from us. One, dog soldiers, I got to find it. Oh, you know, and uh, the yeah, mirror bat might not be doing that now, but yeah, mirror bat. Yes, I, I honestly, I forgot about that. I will at the next show report. I will give a report on the battle of mirror bat. Okay. Tough years. If I know you missed the beginning of the show, it, it hasn't been the easiest week. No. So, oh man. All right, we have a couple more little items here that I want to share. Real oh quick. God, we're still in news. I got. Yeah. Track. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. This is why I like when it's just you and I, because we can just sh shoot off each other and just talk about things. Um, so this is from First Corps. Uh, they have some American Civil War walking wounded. Um, okay. Reynolds First Corps at Gettysburg? I, no, yeah, that's the name of the company. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. They're, if, you, if you're looking for some walking wounded... Um, minis to represent casualties i guess you could say um there you go i'm gonna be honest with you if i'm playing a game i mean those are nice i mean they will look nice on a table don't get me wrong i'm not, I'm not um you know shooting them down at all but i would use just a counter if you have to account for casualties on the field versus minis personally and unless you're doing like some showcase game or something like that don't you think jim like, a, like almost like a diorama. Yeah. This is totally a subjective thing. Absolutely not. The, you know, the, the views of Ariskany do not reflect those of Sigma <laughs> Podcast or whatever. Um, I've always found casualty minis a little creepy. Mm. Um, probably not for Civil War. Civil War wouldn't bother me. But like we had... Um, the first person I actually lost as a KIA in that Mogadishu game was a sergeant in one of the lead Humvees. I'm yeah, like, dude, yeah. we literally just killed, you know, Dominic Pilla. I'm not going to make up like, uh, like literally get my red paintbrush out and, you know, make up a, a mangled, you know, person uh, yeah. to put on the table. It's, you know, again, for the further back you go, it's cool. I just put a counter on there. It, it shows what happened because uh, you, you, you have to track it. And it's also victory points and it's also, uh, you know, it affects the speed of the squad. It affects the morale of the squad and the firepower of the squad and everything else. Um, yeah, having a person killed or even actually even worse. That's one of the things I like about force on force. When a cat, when a, uh, when a person in the squad is wounded, the, uh, the, uh, the morale effect is worse than if he's mm -hmm. just killed outright. Yeah. It still slows him down because you know, when man left behind, you still have to carry him. But, um, yeah, that was actually a question that came up on the table. They're like, okay, so this guy's wounded, morale effect on the game is like two steps and then he's killed that actually goes up a step i'm like yeah he's he's no longer screaming 
Yeah. Um, it's weird to think about. And then, I, I don't know, I guess that's going to be different for different players, yeah. but actually taking the time to buy the mini, paint the mini and actually, you know, now this is walking wounded and it's from a, a conflict further back where we don't know the actual name of the guy. We don't have mm -hmm. his picture and you know, all that stuff like that. Okay. That's, you know, like I said, you know, we're not, we're not shooting down first core. First of all, awesome name, by the way, um, by far and away. Uh, best corps in the army of the army of the Potomac, especially uh, the Iron Brigade. Those guys are. I think it was Second Manassas Iron Brigade went up head to head, toe to toe with the uh, Stonewall Brigade, mm. and um, that was a get together, man. <laughs> that oh, that was rough. Uh, that's just two units that just would not back down, and you know took no shit. Uh, yeah, I think it was Fourth Virginia versus um, they called the Iron Brigade. But it was uh, units from like Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana. Michigan, right? I th I th yeah, like the Midwest, like right yeah. up in there. So there's five, there's five regiments in the brigade, and there's they're mostly from that area. There might have been an Iowa regiment in there as well. Um, yeah, definitely some some really tough guys. And yeah, the minis look great. I just you know, then again, I don't really build uh, Civil War anyway. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, it's 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 personal preference, I guess. Um, yeah. So let's see. There was one last one. Uh, for anybody who has been watching the TV show SAS Rogue, SAS Squadron, I can't remember what the exact title of it is, but here is Patty Main. Uh, he was part of Patty Main. He's a, a lieutenant in the original SAS uh, back in World War II. It, it, the TV show, uh, was it Rogue Heroes? I think it's called. Uh, is it so, about? Like 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 the World War One Desert uh, SAS? No, the World War Two. You know when they formed? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, when they formed, um, they show how the SAS formed and learned from the LDRG. So, nice. yeah. So yeah, Patty was, Main was Patty Main was crazy, man. Well, he pretty much is in the in the TV show is insane. Um, like like clinically insane. Then again, you almost have to be to take you know do some of the things. Didn't he start off as like a soccer player or something like that? Uh, or a football player? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, uh, interesting. Um, that's part of their Soldier of Fortune series from Bolt Action. And he's only available during October. So, if you really want a Patty Main, better get him. Those I Irish guys, that, I tell you. I don't have that exact figure, but my LRG, my LRDG force, I've got guys that look a lot like that. Yeah. 28 millimeter. I did build one 28 millimeter army in my time. 28 millimeter um long range desert group they have that same headdress he's carrying the same weapon it's a different pose but mm -hmm. interesting so and as you notice well i've already talked i'm assuming that's supposed to be a thompson he's holding i so, thought that was yeah, yeah so I wasn't a brand let me bring it up here again i think yep i'm assuming that's supposed to be a thompson it wasn't a Sten or a Bren or anything like that. It no, the magazine's old... coming out of the bottom. Yeah. Yep. And it's a they, good old they, Tommy they, gun. They did carry the uh yeah, the M nineteen was the M nineteen twenty eight A one. The 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 was like a twenty five round box. Same caliber, forty five, but forty five. No 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 big drum. Drum. Yeah. The hundred round drum or fifty round drum, whatever that was. It's fine in the streets of Chicago, but in the desert that, that thing's gonna jam way too many times. So Cool. All right. That's all the updates we had from uh, Marty. Um, so 
Yeah, so so today, just to update everybody, uh, there was some programming planned. Unfortunately, due to current events, uh, it is not going to be aired. Uh, so we're going to count today's show as our content. Uh, next week, Jim is on his well-deserved birthday bash. Um, I will be covering Sunday content. We'll probably do uh, some kind of live game or something. Uh, there's a couple of new war games out, virtual, uh, PC, whatever you want to call them, digital. Um, uh, I'd like to explore, uh, Jim, I don't know about you, but I mean, I know you're a big proponent in the virtual tabletop, you know, whether it's for Panzer Blitz or whatnot, it's, I'm not going to say easier, but it's, you don't have to oh, mess with big tables. It's and, easier. Yeah. It's easier. Especially when you're presenting, right? Um, you, by the way, your camera work is really good on your Mogadishu with tables. Did, did oh, you do you. most of the film or did it was Jen there to help you film? Uh, you I, playing? I did most of it. Okay. I did most of it. I mean, and she then, was there as well. So just for the audience, so you take all the footage, you bring it back, you edit it, and then you do your narration over the top. You're not doing it during game, right? No, we can't do it during the game because uh, a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, that club is basically a concrete box and the audio is terrible. Uh-huh. Number two, um, it's all on an iPhone, so I don't have any like special mics for it. Sure. And uh, probably the most important reason, it, and I always tell people this at the club at the time, if I'm actually trying to use club audio, you have to like tell everyone to shut up. And, you know, I, I'm trying to, rec- oh, stop. We're going to do that take again. And they're yeah. trying to play a game. Yeah. Uh, here, I can, I, I do talk into the camera as we're, but it's almost like a doctor taking, like, dictation. You dictate, so you know what it's going on so you can yeah, narrate it it's, later. It's, it's notes to myself later. Yeah. And then when I'm putting it all in my editing board, I, I just destroy, I just completely delete the original audio. Mm-hmm. Put in what I hope is somewhat clean audio. We, the audio is always tough. Um, some hopefully improved audio up in there. Um, make sure that all the little sound segments line up with the, with the uh, action on the table. Yeah. Make sure that I'm pointing at the right dice when I'm talking about that role or whatever. You know, it's a lot of work. It's it's the sixty sixty rule. It's you know sixty minutes to make sixty seconds of content. So you see like these twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight minute videos go up. That's mm-hmm. a week of work. Yeah. That's basically a forty. It's hour a lot of work. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, it's forty it's, hours. Yeah. It's a literally yeah. a full-time job on top of my full-time job. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for people who've not done full-blown videos, you know, whether it's a game demo, you know, presentation or some like Jim's, um, oh my God, it escaped me. Your, um, the presentations, the presentations you used to do about different battles and oh, how the to op game. center way back. The right, op yeah. center. Thank you. Good God. Yeah. I'm no, it's, it's been old. it's been two and a half years since I've done one. It's of been those. a minute, as they say yeah. these days. But uh, that's a lot of work, you know. It's it's not that easy. Um, like Marty's uploaded some video from last weekend's uh, Autumn Wars uh, videos, um, and I have to go through them and see what I can use. So, uh, and you know, and it takes hours for one hour of edited footage. It's yeah. usually. Well, it's usually a one minute per an hour. Yeah. So that's a good. And uh, it's it's literally like people used to tell me that, and I'd be like, "Wow, really?" And then I started doing it. I'm like, "Holy shit, they were right." Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny, the funny thing is, is when you know we first got into this business ten years ago now, uh, at least, and we flew over to Ireland because Lloyd and I from Beast of War used to talk all the time because you know we were filming stuff for him over here in the U.S. and sending it over to Ireland. And I'm like, why is it taking them so bloody long to do anything with this stuff? 
Then I flew over to Ireland and I sat down with Lloyd for several days. And it's like, now I know why you guys hide in your office. Cause that's all they're doing is they take their ingesting raw footage and then they edit it into a somewhat resemble of a story. And then, you know, there's all kinds of, so it takes hours and days to present uh, a good video. And, and the longer it is, the more time it takes. I so. mean, yeah, these, these little half hour battle reports, it's four days out of every week. Yeah. Um, Cause like, you know, I can, I can't work on it eight hours a day. Well, actually yeah. sometimes I do. So it's a 16 hour day cause work. Yeah. And uh, to get it up there in time for next Sunday, and it's like literally every week you got to throw another one up there. And it's like, I was a little ahead and I was like, oh, maybe I'll be able to take a month off in the fall. And then my hard drive crashed, um, which really sucks because I won one game, the Polish Commonwealth. I won that game like 26 to three. Ooh. And I was waiting to brag about that and lost all the footage. <laughs> probably for the best because I probably would have come <laughs> off like a jerk. You know, look at how bad I kicked these guys' asses here. You know? <laughs> It wouldn't have been cool. Anyway, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, yeah, definitely a little bit of work. So, yeah. Um, so I'll come up with something for next weekend. And, you know, Jim and I will talk off camera. But it's all good, people. And if you guys have any input on stuff, um, I do think um, I am, I'm ordering um, the new game in country that Marty and Chris have been very interested in. It's a, kind of another, like, Spectre Miniatures Operations type-ish game. You know, modern operators versus bad guys uh we'll probably do a couple of little, like 10 minute videos on how to move how to do combat you know just kind of introduce people to the rules I, I i think for me with the time i have available doing these little short snippet videos is probably going to be the way to get some consistent content out uh, versus big big projects um Obviously, I'd love to do um, Isla Nwana or Rourke's Drift again and do a, a, a proper video this time. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, and we got our awards that we got to get together. So we got some stuff coming. Um, but yeah. Jim, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. Um, right. Can't say that I do. Okay. So, guys, just know Jim has been working really hard on some really great. Uh, presentations for the Yom Kippur War. Obviously, with today's current events, those are going to be put on the back burner to be posted at a later date. Uh, and, we'll, you know, we'll gauge that as well. Uh, part of being a, a presenter, 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 good God, presenter of historical wargaming and history is being responsible and sensitive to conditions to find out whether it's now's the proper time or not. Especially uh, when it comes to modern warfare. Yeah. So, you know, because people are living it, right? You know, it's easy to post something that happened a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago. Uh, but when it's, you know, very relevant to modern times, we have to be a little bit more sensitive to that. So uh, I am a firm believer that we have to present if this, if, if this had happened in June or January or, but it's, it's pretty clear that the people that are doing this chose the date for the same reasons we chose the date. I mean, mm -hmm. so that, that extra tendon of connectivity is what really makes it kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. So we will, uh, it'll get posted. It will get posted. It's just not today. Okay. So guys, um, for Jim, uh, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Um, as always, keep up the great work and join our Discord channel, Facebook page.
comment, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Help the channel continue to grow. Our numbers keep going up, you know, on a very steady pace. So that's a good thing. And um, we appreciate everything you do. Um, and we love participation. Tough ears, thank you for joining the show, Jen. Thank you again for joining the show. And those others out there, we appreciate you following along. And we will see you in the next episode of the Sit Rep Podcast. Take care. You have been listening to the Citrep Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. Remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast. And don't forget our other programming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Thanks for listening.